Hey, welcome to the Happy Abby Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partner in radio, my partner in all things British costume drama, Ron Martin. Baby, excited to be back on the airwaves with you. This feels, I know, like the old reformatory days. Oh, it always uh, does. Always. Except that we have better topics now in Absolutely. that we get to talk exclusively uh, about British television shows, uh, the TV dramas crafted by the great Julian Fellows. And uh, we're here, to t- here today to talk about uh, a Netflix show called The English Game. Um, this is going to be dynamic, baby, and it's going to be explosive because... In a rare turn of events, you yeah. and I disagree about this. I know. I'm still a little stunned by that. I'm still we a little shaken. Yeah. We don't have a lot of tension on our radio programs because either, as is the case, 95% of the time, we don't care. But often when we do care, we agree. But this was one that I think I texted you about it. Yeah. And I texted a, a hot take. I, I threw out some heat. Oh, it was saying, an HT. Yeah, yeah, sure. it was, yeah, it was a hot take because I said that the show was, quote, garbage. Yeah. Um, and you pushed back, and here we are. This is where we find ourselves, and it's been a little cold, a little distant between us. Yeah, it's been um, rough, man. We're experiencing just one of those difficult dips in our relationship. It's, it's a, we'll tough, get through it. dude. We'll Peaks get- and valleys. You get two fours on a podcast. Yeah. Welcome to the Annie F. Downs podcast, by the way, where we're going to talk about the Enneagram, but... Um, shout out Annie F. Downs, but uh, you get you get <laughs> you get two fours on a program like this, and it it promises to be ex- explosive. Oh, it promises so, to be big, and it promises to be as big as our last Happy Abby. Podcast. That's right, dude. Huge. People have not stopped talking. No, I mean, I still since. get. I get an email. I get emails. Well, like, yeah, dude. I get fan mail on it too. All the time. It's, apologies to people that we haven't responded to yet on on the fan mail, but. Baby, let me set this up by yeah, saying that the English game was highly anticipated, I think, by both of us, in that it was kind of the next big British costume drama from the great Julian Fellows, who, of course, made Downton Abbey, all the seasons of Downton that we enjoyed, uh, the Downton Abbey movie, which was trash, but we still enjoyed it. Uh, so we're big Julian Fellows guys, and we were we were excited about this, and I was excited when it appeared on Netflix. I knew my my lady, of course, is big on all the British costume costume dramas and stuff. So I knew we would be watching it. And um, I, I just want to start by saying I got a couple of episodes into it with KK. Yeah. yeah. And we're looking at each other and we're going, does this suck? <laughs> like, like, you tell me if it sucks. And she's kind of like, no, you tell me if it sucks. Because we enjoyed the visuals. You yeah. know, a lot of the typical like Julian Fellows yeah. eye candy was there, but like to me, the story wasn't there. The characters weren't there. To me, like, and, and I want to get your take on this. I'm getting to a point. Oh, you'll get my hot take on this, Bob. Yeah, Bob no. Did. The the point is, Down did such an amazing job, I think, of telling all these super real feeling kind of family and character dramas. And unfolding them in a slow burn, right? So it was the right. slowest of slow burns. Everything felt earned. Everything emotionally that you were feeling about the characters, it felt like they really, they really did the work to get you there in a genuine way. With this deal, man, with the English game, it felt like they're like, oh, dude, social issue, infertility. Like they're 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 just throwing all these like issues yeah. at you in the first couple apps. None of it feels earned. Um I don't know that that's just and I kept waiting for that to change. And then the English game was over and I'm like, oh, this was just a mediocre show that we watched all the episodes of. Um, that's kind of where I was at, dude. So I, I want you to speak into that because you love the show. Well, I mean, OK, so let me call a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it, it's hard because because Fellows did Downton, I mean, anything he does is just going to be yeah. compared with Downton, and nothing is going to be or ever going to be Downton for, for the rest of yeah. time. I mean, until we literally are dead and somebody else comes up with a show of that just indescribable In quality. Yeah, we're dead. Right. Yeah. But I mean, so, I don't, so for me, like, I jump into a Fellows show, and immediately I can't help but just I'm looking for I'm looking for just maybe the greatest cast of any show of all time Downton Abbey <laughs> totally. to be seriously to be totally. applied to this show and it's like 
I'm disappointed before, like, even the opening credits, you know, like, pop up, right? Because I know it's yeah. not going to happen. So I just – so for me with the English game, I, I didn't even read about what the premise was as much as it was like, wait a minute, this is Fellows. It's yeah. some soccer thing, but it's a drama. Yeah. And, I mean, I like my sports movies. I like my sports dramas. I'm all good with it. Um, and so I think my initial impression was um, I like where they're going with it. I'm not sure where they're going with it. And I was I was actually disappointed in the lead characters, man. I'm not I'm not yeah. totally at odds with you on this. At the same time, um, dude, lean into that a little bit, man, because I have some yeah, I have some main character stuff. Well, okay, so the main okay, so the main the two main you know characters were uh, was uh, Arthur and Fergus, right? Dude, Arthur Kinnaird, male yeah. model. Okay, yeah, like like truly one of the most. Stunning guys, like so like with that beard and that like literally Dude, one incredibly of the stunning. Dudes of all yeah, time. yeah, stunning to look at, but all the charisma of like a a JC Penney's golf shirt model in nineteen ninety three. Dude, the, was, the guy's stiff as a board. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. He was like, really drawn in. They had yeah, they, yeah. he was a very drawn in character, and then Fergus was kind of more of the main character. But I yeah. thought, I mean, to me, it was like, where did this guy even come from? You like he just. He didn't really command the screen the way that you're used to Fellows characters commanding the screen. Well, dude, I, I, I'll tell you where it came from. He came from Portland, circa, like, right now. You know what I mean? And then, this is one of my theories on maybe why you love this show, was that even though it was England in, like, 1859 or whatever, they all looked like modern-day hipsters. Yeah, it, it felt you know like going I mean? to a Sojourn conference when they... Well, dude, yeah, it was like the, going to a Soge con for, like, going out to dinner in Nashville. No, I get know? that. I get yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, I get I it. Like, you're just saying, Fergie, you're saying, like, baby, you just yeah. felt at home. Like, you felt like camaraderie right there when you were watching. You felt like show. that's as close, baby. Listen to me. <laughs> this is as close as you're going to get to a Sojourn conference, right? Okay, in a the television it's got, version of a Sojourn conference. It's got a bunch of rich hipsters drinking expensive wine and eating steaks, except that it's England and you're watching it instead of doing it. Yeah, the only right? thing that can make it better if is if it was in England, obviously. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm sure 2021 SojConf is going to be in England. Yeah, we'll probably bump it out there. Because, for, like, for unlike the rest of the planet, they're they're somehow going to be, like, rich after COVID. <laughs> and they're going to have all kinds of money they're gonna to have, literally... Like a, they're going to have a 50% surplus after COVID. To literally light on fire so that you guys can, quote-unquote, vision cast and, quote-unquote, rest. Right? Jesus H. Pre. A lot of quotations lot going of on there, baby. Quote-unquote. <laughs> quotations like literally coming out of your ears right you're now. gonna be so overworked from sitting in your house for 11 months <laughs> that they're gonna need to pamper you guys so oh, it's gonna be rough no but so okay so yeah okay get back so, into so back so back to the so back to the english man it was yeah. um i i didn't i struggle when i don't love the characters man and i yeah, didn't yeah, love yeah. the characters but i was fat okay this is where they had me i want to know where yeah, they okay. had you or they didn't yeah. have you yeah. They have they had me because I love origin stories, man. So I had okay. no idea that soccer or like football or whatever we want yeah. to call, however pretentious we want to be about what we want to call it, like I like I I had no idea it was started by a bunch of like rich English like you know aristocrats. I had no yeah, clue yeah. about that. Yeah, it kind of. I mean, it kind of makes sense because in America, it's still like a lot of just kind of rich a holes who are good at <laughs> soccer, but. Uh... As for, like, most of the guys at the college that I went to, that's what I'm basing that on. Like, one three-year period in the mid-90s. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, that part, I, I guess I didn't, it didn't grab me because I didn't so much care about where soccer came from. You know what I mean? And to me, like, yeah, the soccer was the least interesting part of it in the same way that, like, I don't know, race car driving, I guess, was a part of Downton Abbey, but it was the least interesting part. Right, because you were so you were so busy, sort of. It was a backdrop. It was a backdrop. You were so busy, kind of like being in the lives of all these characters that, for the most part, in Downton were multi-dimensional. Like I feel like the most one-dimensional character in Downton was Tom Branson, yeah. and I feel like all these characters were Tom Branson. No, and, that's and, fair, man. I, I, that's fair. yeah. I, I I don't know. I so okay as an actor and just as a guy to look a guy to look at. I liked Fergie Suter. I feel like there was some potential there with him, and I liked, I liked the scenes that he was in. Uh, Arthur and his wife couldn't have cared less, dude. Like any scene they were in, I was just yawning and checking my watch. Um, I liked what about Jimmy. Fergie's love interest, man. Dude, I okay. Fergie's love interest was Martha Almond. 
She yeah, was kind pretty of complex. She was pretty, she was pretty complex. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of interested in that. Like, if more of the show had been about her, it would have been fine. Dude, you know who I loved? You know who won the show for me? Was uh, was Jimmy's wife, Doris. Yeah. Like, I was, I was team Doris, man. She just seemed cool. Like, I would watch a six-episode Netflix thing about Doris. Yeah. You know, like, tell me about her life. What is she doing during the day? Yeah. You know? Like... Do, do she and Jimmy get tired of each other after Jimmy breaks his leg? Like, dude, I want to watch just, a show about that. She's, you know? she's making shepherd's pie during the day, man. That's what she's doing. But. Dude, I'm not going to lie and not to be weird. She seemed perfect. You know what I mean? In a way that wasn't boring. Like, I dude, thought, she just yeah. makes shepherd's pie and, like, hangs out with Jimmy and they laugh a whole lot. But she bunch. was kind of, she had a weird, like, edge to her. Yeah, I like that, though. Like, I like the edgy ones. I, uh, you know, the other thing, too, man, is, I mean, yeah. you know, t- to be fair, I guess you don't have a lot of opportunity to develop characters in six apps. You know what yeah. I mean? There's, you got to kind of get to it pretty quick. Yeah. And so I think, I, I think that's what lacked it probably for you and, and for me too, as well. It's just like, man, there just wasn't enough time. Like they could have stretched this thing out to like, you know, 15 apps. And I think we would be seeing a completely different series. Yeah, you know dude. I mean? Okay. So let's, let's talk about some of the ingredients in Downton that made Downton magical that this lacked. And I think one of them you, you hit the nail on the head. There is just time. Right. Right. So I don't know if they went into Downton feeling like, okay, we've got seven years to develop this thing and we can literally like, we can go as slow as we want, but like somebody, whoever was writing the checks to produce Downton, like there, there was some patience there. You know what I mean? There was a sense of, all right, we can slow burn all these characters. We can start Thomas Barrow is like despicable. And then over the course of like six or seven years, we can make him sympathetic and make it to where you're really rooting for him and caring about him. And, you know, it it really was masterful on that level. I I think, too, there were some just visual things that Downton did differently in that even even a mediocre Downton ep, right? And there were some years there, dude. There were some seasons where I felt like Downton was kind of going every other. Like you'd have a banger, right. you'd have a yeah, real yeah. like heat check episode, and then you'd have kind of a placeholder. Yeah, but for even sure. the even the placeholder apps, dude, you were still getting that like visual porn of like the, the big wide shots of the castle and the you countryside. You felt like you were there. I like. I mean, even a, a mediocre. Yeah. Di- I'm gonna say I'm gonna make a bold statement, man. A yeah, mediocre. I was I was never disappointed after an app no. of, of of apps. You know, not, ever. not once, dude. I mean, Not there are some episodes that are yeah. way better than others, like any yeah. series. But I was—I never walked away disappointed, thinking, "Gosh, that was just really bad." Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so part of this, dude, I, and I think part of where the English game kind of fell flat for me, and maybe it's just because I know how sports work too much, and you—you kind of know how sports work too. Like, it just never occurred to me that it would be controversial that the the heads of these soccer teams would want to start paying players to to get better. And I was just like, why, why hasn't this always been a thing? You know, like that's just how, that's how sports works. That point of controversy wasn't quite controversial enough for you. Dude. Right. And I didn't care. I I didn't care what the like aristocratic blue blooded guys thought about it. Like there was no sympathy for those guys. Um, And I I didn't know if there was supposed to be, I was just confused. I, I didn't know Ron, like, who I was supposed to like in the program well, besides okay. Doris, you know? So, yeah, so just to set it up, so you have this yeah. guy, Arthur Kennard, who is kind of like the aristocrat guy who is with this group of guys that started like the, the soccer federation. They basically like yeah, yeah. started the game on a, like, I would say like a professional level, right. but they wanted to keep it. They wanted to keep it something that was played for the love of the game where nobody got paid to keep it kind of balanced and even. Pure. Yeah. yeah. Quote unquote pure. And then you got Fergie Suter, who represented sort of the uh, the blue collar version side of the game, where he worked for factories that put together these teams yeah. that tried to go against like the big, not like money teams because it wasn't being they weren't being paid. But what they kind of yeah. showed through this was that the the teams that had the teams that were comprised of like rich dudes, they actually had the luxury and the time to train and to practice. Whereas well, they everybody could train else, all they wanted because the right. other guys had to go and do jobs. Yeah, they didn't have to know? work essentially, and so guys yeah. like Fergie Suter that were, like worked for the mill, and then the mill yeah. sponsored a team. They had to work all day, six days a week, and yeah. they didn't have time to like develop their skills. So, in a sense, what it got proved in the end was that essentially 
everybody had been getting paid to play. If you kind of yeah. look at, if you take it from that angle, sure. because all these rich guys had enough money to where they could just practice, rehearse and train. And so I, I, so that's what really, I mean, that's really just the, that's the crux of it right there. Would you agree? I mean, yeah, that, no, I would agree. Just snapshotting it, you know, also Fergie Suter, like four feet tall. I think that was like really re- baffling to me. Really tiny guy, dude. He's like yeah. shorter than all the dudes, like shorter than all the women, like yeah. really short guy, but not. Okay. So I, I got two questions for you. Number one, Fergie Suter, good looking guy. Yes or no. Uh, Are we in on Fergie's looks? Cause I, I I'm in, I'm team Fergie's looks. Really? I was going to say yeah. a little, I was going to say kind of mediocre. Yeah, I mean, he's not, like, beautiful in the in the vein of, like, Arthur Canary. Yeah, well, but... that's what I'm saying. It's hard not to compare him with Arth because yeah. Arth like is... Fergie, like... if you had if you had been friends with him in college, he would have been, like, the fun, kind of funny-looking, but, like, cool dude that lived on your wing, and they, you, you, were, you were happy when he showed up to all this stuff. You know, like, if, if, if you were going out for an evening and, like, Fergie showed up, you'd be like, oh, cool, this guy's fun, dude. Yeah, Ferg was, yeah. like, the dependable guy. He was a little – he's kind of one of those dudes that was, like, a little too serious, but he could yeah. loosen up when he needed to, but he was dependable. You could count on him being there, right? Yeah, totally. Although that changed at some point in the show where that – but even then, it was – he was driven by principle, man. That was Ferg. Dude, dude he was. He wanted to take yeah. care of his fam. I get that. Right. I like that. But Arthur and- wasn't much different. So I think what you see – as we're talking through this, Arthur, even though he came from all of this money and privilege, he kind of was principled like Ferg. So you, well, yeah, and they, see... they kind of tried to do the whole like, oh, Arthur's pissed off at his dad thing. You know, that was supposed right. to make him sympathetic. There was, there were all these things that were like, and maybe we're getting to the the undefinable qualities of an actor versus another actor. But like, I feel like they did all the right tricks to like make him sympathetic. Like, oh, he. He does a nice thing for his wife and he's pissed off at his dad and like all, all the ingredients, all the boxes were checked, except that you never really cared about him, you know, and maybe it, it maybe it's just this dude. If a guy's that rich and good looking, you want to see him fail. Yeah. Like, like you want to see him get kicked in the junk. And um, I don't know, that, maybe he, maybe he could never overcome that. Well, I think that's a great point though, too. And it yeah. kind of brings you back to. This is what's so strange, right? So Arthur essentially in the entire like in the six ep series, like he doesn't really do anything wrong. Like, he doesn't right. really he doesn't. Re- there's no misstep with art. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's like Iceman in Top Gun. Like he's the villain, but at the end of the day, he does everything right. Right. He just doesn't really <laughs> do know? anything wrong. He's principled. Yeah. He's like he's like learning things about the culture and about himself and about his marriage as he's going through yeah. this. About the game, you know, and so he's like he's like the processor in all of this. Dude, he right? buys like a nature preserve for his lady after <laughs> they lose their baby. <laughs> like, hey, most okay, guys would be like, boring. I got you a half a dozen roses and I feel really bummed. But like, hey, P.S., dude, just to cheer you up, I bought you this whole nature preserve. It's yeah, like I bought the most you beautiful nature preserve just for good yeah, times. It's, it's the most beautiful vista in the whole country. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, totally. But Shout then this is what this is what's so weird though. Like, like let let me just let me just hit with what you just said about like yeah. man, whenever there's like a rich guy in a in a in a series, you always want to see him fail, except for Downton Abs. Exactly, dude. Because they kind of they were all rich guys. And honestly, the guy I wanted to see fail the most was the poor guy. It was Tom Branson, who was just <laughs> insufferable, dude. I know you really hated Branson. I'm still fascinated dude. By that. Yeah, he was just boring, dude. He he. Branson was like every college sophomore that I teach who who takes like a half of a philosophy co- class and then knows everything. You know what oh, I mean? Gotcha. Branson, like he was the embodiment of that guy. But okay, so, dude. So here's my hot take on the English game. I think it should have been a one-off. I think they should have leaned really hard into this sports movie motif. Just one app, you're saying? It should have been a movie. It should have okay, been a Netflix right. movie where it's two and a half hours of sports movie where the poor team beats the rich team. And you can still have Fergie falling in love with that girl. You can still have like Arthur Kinnaird being pissed off at his dad and trying to save the marriage and all that stuff. You can, you can, you can have still the Fergie Jimmy kind of like friendship bromance kind of thing. You could still have all that, but you can have it culminate in like the, the mill team beating the rich team. And then everybody goes home happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think yeah. by making you wait it out over six episodes, you're you're kind of lulled into looking for this magical Downton Abbey character development thing that they just never get around to delivering. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude, I can't, man. I cannot argue with that, man. I think that's yeah. well said. I think yeah. for my tastes, um, 
I would have preferred, so I'll go the other way with it, man. I would yeah. have preferred that they had done 12 to 15 apps so that they could kind of do what you're talking about in two hours, but extend it out a little bit. And I also thought, man, I just, I wish the, like, okay, I, I can't get past Fergie. I wish they would have recast <laughs> Fergs, man. I just, I didn't Dude, so love talk the guy. about that, man. What was your issue with Fergs? Um, because, you know, it's weird because they, they kind of, they, they cast, they cast rich guy Arthur as kind of an anti-hero, mm-hmm. but I mean, in terms of like, in terms of Ferg's being like the blue collar hero, I, I need, I need a little bit more <laughs> than what he was, man. Yeah, I, dude, you need a little, maybe a little taller, a little broader shouldered. I don't know. He's got to be able to exist on screen with Kinnaird and have it be believable. Yeah, you know it wasn't, I mean? he was not believable, man. He was not, yeah. even, like, even as an athlete, you looked at him and, and said, man, I'm not buying it. Well, dude, nobody in this thing has played soccer before in their lives. Okay, let's get that out of the way. Like, I don't, and dude, believe me, I know jack about soccer because I don't care about it and I don't like it. But my kid plays. Yeah, dude, my kid, exactly. I'm typical, ugly American right here, man. Every stereotype. But like, so my kid plays. So I've watched a decent amount of soccer, and none of those guys have ever played soccer before. It was like, dude, the soccer pitch, if you will, was the moon to these guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a thing. I don't know. Again, if you're doing a one-off, though, I think you're probably finding some good soccer players. You're and you're kind of you're kind of shooting it around Fergie and Canard so that you don't have to see a lot of them playing soccer. Well, I think too, though, man. I mean, this was pre like soccer players having all the tricks down too, right? So they're kind of they're like old, they're like, like vintage soccer players. So it's gonna be yeah. It's well, gonna dude, be vintage they're, they're, baseball where everybody's like everybody has everybody has like a, a you know a piece everybody's like a just yeah. a thin piece of leather around their hand for a mitt and uh, you know they're, they're just they're literally like brutalizing themselves as they're trying to play this game. Yeah. Well, dude, and to be honest, in these guys' defense, they're playing in a wheat field. Totally. Did you see that grass? Like nobody's mowing. No one's mowing. Nobody's cutting the grass. Which okay, dude, it begs the question. This is just a Downton to this kind of continuity thing, dude. Downton abs. Like that grass is getting cut every other day, dude. Oh, you could, well, yeah, 100%. you could like put a golf ball on that grass, and this grass nobody's cutting it. I don't get it, dude. I don't know the mowing situation in England in the 1850s. Like that to me is a mystery. So I, I just don't. Hey, here's another mystery for you, man. This one yeah. is the one that stuck me, and I kept, I kept saying this to Big N, man, after yeah, every yeah. app. But did it strike you? Why was every game like a minute long? Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude. Like, dude, they, I was like, did, are these games literally like five minutes? Maybe they were. Maybe they were maybe like Maybe that's five how they timed long. it back then. It was like a four-minute game. So you had to like get your work done really quick. I mean, dude, did it feel that way to you? Because I was like, dude, yeah. they just, they did that initial, whatever they called it, the kickoff or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like a minute later, it was like, they're standing there with their heads down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> dude. And it's like, oh, Fergie played like, he played like rubbish in this game. And I'm like, I didn't see it. I saw a minute and a half. Right. Like, like he picked one goal, missed, game over. Yeah, exactly, dude. Maybe it's like, you remember how when you used to play like pickup basketball in the driveway and it yeah. was like next score wins? Yeah. Maybe it was always next score wins. It was just like first score wins. Yeah, I like think if, it was just one quarter. <laughs> if you kick the ball through that thing and, and dude, maybe, okay, I'm, I'm getting it now. Maybe it was practical because they had no nets on the goal. So maybe the implication was you kick the ball through that thing, it's rolling like a mile and a half down a hill and it's gone, you know? So, all right, we're going to take a hiatus for a week until we find another soccer ball. And yeah, okay. And so, yeah, that's good, man. I I like your, uh, I like your theory. Here's my other, here's my other thing. Yeah. All they ever talked about. Okay. So again, for our listeners, they talked about winning the FA cup, which was like the, like the championship game. But that it seems like that's the only game they ever played was the FA Cup. There were no other games. Yeah. It yeah, was just dude. it was just like every year all they played like all the NFL plays is one game called the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Hey, week one, it's the Super Bowl. Right. Week that's two, it. also the Super Bowl. Yeah, dude, I, I couldn't agree more. Okay, so I've got one more nitpick, and then I've got like a big kind of wide angle question about <laughs> about you and me that I want to get to. Yeah, let's do it. Here's the nitpick, dude. Why do they have to kill a dog off? It was like episode two or episode three. There was like that secondary character. I remember this dude because his name was Ted and he starts a t-shirt company, which I thought was dope, dude. Yeah, that was it's like It's like 2020. Everybody's got their own like t-shirt apparel company. So Ted breaks off from the soccer team. He's like, I want to do textiles. I want to start my own like 
whatever, and Canard, they're trying to show that he's a good guy, so he funds the t-shirt company. He funds and, the startup. Yeah, he funds the startup, dude. He's like a venture capitalist. Except that this guy, Ted, like his dog gets shot. And I'm like, why the H do we have to do that, dude? Because, like, you know me. I like a dog in a show. I like a dog in a movie. You don't like a dog in real life, though, baby. That's where we agree on a lot of things. I don't like a dog in real life, dude. I like TV dogs, okay? Right. But they, they they get you all attached to this Ted. And, dude, so here, here was my hot take as I was watching it. KK and I have this thing where, like, we like to pick the sacrificial lamb in a show. Yeah. And I was watching this Ted character, and I'm like, yo, this guy's dead meat dude he's gonna <laughs> die in this app wait remember when they're all doing the pitchforks and the, oh dude and the, i thought he was done i thought i thought was he over. was done though dude yeah. and i told kk i'm like this guy's got a kind face so he's gonna die right like yeah. there's gonna be a stray bullet he's just gonna get shot in this thing and he didn't but his dog died dude spoilers mm-hmm. um ted's dog dies in like episode two or three but uh, I don't know, dude. I, I, I had an issue with that, man. And I had trouble. The other thing, man, and tell me if you thought this this thought. Like at the end of episode four, when Jimmy gets his leg broken in half, and he's kind of laying on the bed there, I thought they were going to kill him off. Oh, I thought dude, we were going to... 100, man. I totally thought... Like, I was so shocked when he, like, when he, when he lived through that. Dude, I thought they were going to go full-on Sybil on yeah. that thing and just have because, a, dude, a weirdo beyond, death. Ju- that's not beyond fellows to do that, obvi, you know? Yeah, I dude. Mean, I yeah, mean, he I was not sure afraid. He was done. To, yeah, yeah, he was not afraid to kill people off just kind of willy-nilly. Yeah, I thought he was going to go, and then it was going to spur on Fergie to, like, you know, obviously win the FA Cup and do it for yeah. him. You know, the whole typical story. Yeah, do it for Jimmy. Do it for Jimmy. Win one for the Jimmy. Dude, and, honestly, uh, Jimmy was kind of the most likable dude. Jimmy was the most... Yeah, I mean that's a good point, man. Uh, Jimmy was probably the most human. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm loyal to my friend. I don't know. I'm like building a bed out of wood for my wife. I don't even. I don't even know what I'm doing. Like yeah, Jimmy totally. was likable. Yeah, really likable, man. Yeah, Jimmy. Uh, I, I know. I wish Jimmy would have had again, man. You bump that thing up to 15 eps, and all of a sudden Jimmy becomes like has more of, has a story. They didn't give yeah. Jimmy a story at all. Yeah, exactly, dude. Okay, so here's my here's my big like wide angle question. Why are these Julian fellow shows so attractive to you and me? Because dude, I grew up in a cornfield in Indiana. I grew up like the farthest thing away from aristocratic England is, is humanly possible. You kind of did too, you know, growing up in California, riding your dirt bikes, you know, doing all that. Like, so you and I are not like the target demo for these things. Why, why the attraction? Also, like, sub-question, when are you going to get your doctorate from England, dude? Because I feel like the ultimate pastor flex it really is, is not man. just to get a doctorate. Like, getting a doctorate is kind of like a semi-flex. It's yeah. like, hey, I got time, I'm an intellectual, whatever, I'm going to get my doctorate. But, like, the ultimate flex is to do it in England. Baby, let me like, ask, oh, yeah. Like, I'm going to be answer. away from the... I'm going to be out of the pulpit for six months because I'm going <laughs> over for my... I got to do my cohort. You know, yeah, right? I'll I gotta answer, go talk uh, to my English guys. I'll answer number two first. Uh, number yeah. one, I'm not an intellectual, and I don't have time. Therefore, I'm doing my doctorate at Midwestern. Right? There you the, go. <laughs> Shout least, out Midwestern, dude. It gives you more Jared time, though, dude. You're yeah, plenty mad Jared time. Oh, mad, mad Jared C time, obviously. Insane. Yeah. That's gonna. But be uh, but you know, going deeper into the Midwest to get my doctorate is not going to England to get my doctorate. Just Dude, I would watch a six-episode Netflix show about you and Jared, like sharing a dorm room, doing your little, doing like your doctorates together. You know Dude, what I mean? I think you might even watch a twelve to fifteen episode. Let's Dude, see. let's sell the H out of that thing. Dude, I want a piece of the action, obs. Yeah, no, I get watching. it. I get it. I mean, I'm watching as you like, write the script and you get a bigger piece of the action than you could possibly imagine. Baby, episode one is you two decorating the dorm room because oh, I know there's going to be sparks flying, dude. There is going to be gonna... sparks flying because I can't take another Tom Brady like signed autograph <laughs> photo hanging. On. Well, dude, you're gonna you're gonna. This is episode one, okay? Open, <laughs> big R. You know, you you show up with your little minimalist like satchel of like you know little thousand dollar leather satchel of stuff for the dorm room. You go in. He's already got that thing wallpapered with like Tom Brady posters and like Midwestern guy stuff, dude. And then you get out a little roll of like artisanal duct tape, like not the real stuff, but like artisanal, like hipster, hipster duct tape. And you put a, you put a strip down the middle of the room and you're like, bro, I love you. (laughs) 
I love you so much. I've been trying to work you for a book deal for six years, but this has to stop. Like the Brady posters have to come down. Yeah, like we okay. are. We, like this is this is driving a stake. Yeah, it's in, driving in our a stake romance through the already. heart of this romance. Yeah. Okay, so that's episode one, dude, and I'm watching after that because I that's want to know it. what happens. Yeah, episode two is like, are our wives going to be friends? Episode three is, uh, I don't know, dude. You you tell me, but but at that point it doesn't even matter. I'm doing this, dude. I'm writing this. The thing show's already so big, nobody cares. It's, it's already so. huge, dude. And I th- I think Netflix is going to be a buyer on this on yeah, this program, so. dude. Episode three is going to be like secondary characters. Oh, yeah. like like hey, what are we doing about that little guy that we all used to make fun of, but it's not cool to make fun of him anymore, or whatever that guy's name was. Um, yeah, yeah, we could yeah, get that, a whole app out guy. of that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> the guy behind the guy. The guy behind the guy behind the guy. So what's the what's the attraction? What's the draw with these shows? Well, okay, so I, you know, so I'll speak for myself, baby. Yeah. I, I think for me, man, I, I lo- well, so okay, so I love drama. Yeah. So I, I never, I never can, I never can explain it like like well enough to people that ask what kind of movies and shows I like. Sure, I sure. like drama. I could watch an entire show. Of like Downton Abbey, and the only thing they're doing is sitting around dialoguing around a dinner table, and that would be an amazing ep for me. Like, well, I would dude, love and if that. it's good and if it's well done, that can work so well. Absolutely, and like yeah. I just I I love I love sort of like personal yeah. engagement. I love dialogue. Like I yeah. just love dialogue. So Same. um, and there's something about Downton that it's dude, it's so it's pure dialogue. Dude, it's off the, the charts on those. Things. It's off the charts on the dialogue, and but there so there's a humor mixed with a um just sort of a depth of character and a sort of like a longing and kind of sadness and kind of a man i don't know where my life is going and i'm concerned about the future and there's a lot of pain in my story i love all of that i don't know why i love all of that but i love all of that and i think so that's what kind of wraps me into doubt but i think the bigger i think the bigger narrative with that which is i think we're going to connect on this is that there's just something there's something magical about the UK kind mm. of growing up reading, you know, maybe it's just because I read Narnia books and, you know, the things of that nature where it's like, there's something that I just, I've really just sort of, um, I've sort of like, like I've, I've kind of made that all like kind of a mythical place in my head. I think. Baby, you, you know? ever been? I've never been. Yeah. I've, I've never actually never been, been either. I've done like a layover at their airport. I've, yeah, I've dude, been. I've been a lot of places and I think I've done the layover there too, but like I've never actually gotten out. Which is so dumb because it's like, yeah. it's like a shorter flight than if I was going to fly to like California right now. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's like, dude, exactly. It's, it's probably nothing. cheap right now too. And it's cheap, but it's like, but I just think that there's something so like magical about, and you know what it is? It's the era. I've yeah. always been fascinated yeah. by pre, like sort of the pre-technology era Man, and just you know the simplicity of life. And I there's something about that that I'm so drawn to. Dude, 100%. Man. Me too, 100%. It's, it was the era of restraint. Yeah. Right? It was the era of like not saying everything that you were thinking. It was the era of, I don't know, some stuff goes unsaid and there's subtext. And I think for me, man, that's what makes the drama really pop. And it's why I love these like Jane Austen things that KK watches where like, not everything is a hot take, you know, totally. like they're keeping, they're keeping a little stuff under the vest. They're kind of, you know, communicating it subtextually, um, as opposed to like 2020 where it's just like, I hate this guy. I love this guy. I'm with him. I'm against her, you know, and it, Dude, it's there's just, no nuance, man. There no, has like, nuance. And I think we, I think we're drawn to that. We're, yeah. we're drawn to the, like it, 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 Downton has margin. And I think we are drawn yeah. to, to like nuance yeah. and to margin. I'm so drawn to slow-paced things. Even yeah. though I have a hard, I have a hard time sitting still. I mean, admittedly, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. but like I'm drawn. I, I like when I look. Okay, so this is what I've always said, man. I've always mm. said this to Big M. Like, dude, if I could literally just spend like three months living that D that down the abs life, I go that that would be my wish. If somebody oh, gave me yeah. a wish, yeah. But I mean, even as you say that, like part of what made the show brilliant was they didn't idealize it. They did. Like even yeah. even even Lord Grantham, dude. This guy's got every kind of creature comfort in the world. He's got all the money in the world. He's got all the free time. Everything that we would say we want. Mm-hmm. His life is still fraught with difficulty because there are people in it and there's issues. Okay, so I think as you were talking, something became crystal clear to me about Downton that the English game lacked, and it, it's this: 
Downton Abbey, I think, was really careful not to make a saint out of any character or people yeah. group besides Sybil. Obviously, yeah. Sib was a saint. Everything she, she did was, yeah. was that was it, magical. Though, really. yeah. yeah, that was it. But like, it, like so, the poor people downstairs in Downton, they weren't like, oh, they're saints because they're poor. You know, every right. every motive they have is pure. You know, nor did they, again, besides Sib, nor did they saint any of the rich people. And I think it made for a really authentic, believable show where you were like, yeah, even if I'm totally not invested in you know, whether or not Tom Branson makes a run at Sybil. I, I care about all these people. Totally. Even the ones I don't like, I care what happens to them. Um, and I think that's what the English game lacked, dude. The English game felt real kind of slipshod in terms of, okay, we got to make heroes out of these people. We got to make villains out of these people. We got to make you feel sorry for this girl because she had a baby with this rich guy and now nobody respects her. It, it just felt real kind of thrown together. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree, man. I think I think timing was the issue. I go back to what you said, man. I, I don't I think I think a two hour movie would have been great. If not, give us 15 apps to stretch it out and develop character a little bit. But yeah, I just but I yeah, I just I just think that there was. It's hard for me to really invest in something when there isn't at least one or two characters that I absolutely feel some affinity for. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And this was just like, I mean, besides like some of the, you know, you talked about uh, Jimmy's wife. I mean, great, right? But she was barely yeah. in it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I even liked Arthur's wife, but like just, you know, okay. I mean, it, yeah. was, it wasn't like a bit part, but it, there just wasn't enough to hold, to grab onto there. And um, and I and I think what what I left with uh, what I was left with was I want to see the next ep, but I'm not I'm, I'm not thinking about it before I watch it like I do with Downton yeah. Abs. And dude, this is the big word for me, man. It, none of it was inspiring. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It felt like a sequel. You know yeah, what I mean? No, it felt that's like really yeah. We're gonna throw Julian Fellow's name at it. We're gonna throw the you know the the beautiful sweeping vistas of England at it, mm -hmm. and we're gonna put some people in costumes. And we're going to call it a Julian Fellows thing, and you're going to watch. And well, we're going to sell it yeah. to Netflix for a billion dollars. Well, here's the know? thing, man. I mean, I don't know. You know, let, let's talk a little bit more of the practical side of this. You know, yeah. so Julian Fellows, I mean, you know, I, I, man, I don't know, I, you know, how the business works for him. You know, it seems like mm -hmm. a guy that can write. He seems like he should be a guy that can write his own ticket. Mm -hmm. um, because here's the thing. If you would have told me, hey. Julian Fellows is thinking about writing this movie on like how, you know, soccer, the origins of soccer from like the English aristocracy and, you know, all this. I would have been like, yeah. dude, that sounds money. Let's get on that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, I like totally. that. I would have liked all of that conceptually. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. Julian Fellows, it just seemed, I don't know. I mean, maybe he was like, dude, I don't have time. I'm working on something else. But I'll, yeah, that sounds like a good, I, you guys want to do six eps of this? You know how yeah. those deals work with, you know, it, yeah. it's like a guy from our tribe saying, yeah, I'll do that commentary on the book of James. Or, yeah, I just want to write this Christian living book. It's eight chapters. I can knock it out in a month. You know, yeah, like, totally. what do you want to, what do you want to do? You know? I'll throw my name on it. And yeah, X number of people are probably going to buy it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and dude. You know, like, I don't, I don't blame Julian Fellows for doing that. Like, right. and you and I are realists, man. We're the ultimate realists, which is odd for fours, I think. But you and I both know if you can make your money in the business, make it. Like, if you can make money off your name, make it. And, you know, it, this isn't necessarily a show that he has to feel ashamed of. It just wasn't oh, not great. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it lacked the magical kind of greatness quality that, that I mean, Downton what do you do is? if you're Julian fellows and you have Downton abs, you know, I, I mean on, on the mantle for the rest of your life, what do you do? Okay. With that? So I've thought about that. I've thought about it. Here's what I think you have to do. And obviously nobody listened to me because Julian fellows has made about 10 billion more dollars <laughs> in media than I've made. Right. So don't listen to me. Just a dollar or two more. You don't be hard on yourself. You take away, baby. Listen, you take away you all, all the, the money. money, all the awards. Um, I think if you're Julian Fellows and you've got – how long did Downton run? Six, seven years of Downton on the mantle? Was it six seasons? I should Something know that. Something like that, sure. yeah. and, they, and just a banger. Everybody loved it. You know, I, I think if you're Julian Fellows, you got to make a completely different kind of movie. You know what I mean? You make some movie about, I don't know – London in 2020 or you make a movie set in Chicago or you you know you do some totally different thing where people are flip the script completely don't do yeah. what you don't do what people are expecting you to do 
Just so that people aren't always comparing it to Down. Yeah. You know, because you make some costume drama set in England in 1850 and everybody's going, why doesn't this feel more like Down? Totally. He almost couldn't escape that. I you know. know what I mean? Yeah. Unless he makes a totally different movie. Um, I don't know. That's, I just that's think, my thought. I just think, I mean, I don't know what it was. Obviously, he had a lot of people working with him. Every once in a while, a show comes along where the cast is so great yeah. and all the pieces come together. It's so rare when that happens. Well, and I'll this tell was you what you had that. in Downton, dude. And, and some of this is practicality and budget. Like, Downton, you had a couple of really, really established actors. Like the Maggie Smith kind of kiss on the totally. ring. That gave Downton a sense of gravitas it right did. out of the gate that this yeah. didn't have. Even the guy that played Lord Grantham, like he's been in British movies and television for like 30 years. Yeah, I mean, that guy's kind of a legend, dude. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you put the two of them in this show and it grounds it. It gives it a sense of gravitas. Yeah. Um, in the English game, and, and, and the other thing that was brilliant about that with Downton was that it let you it let you fall in love with kind of some of these new people. You know what I mean? So guys like Barrow that you hadn't seen on the screen before because you live in America or whatever. um, It was really easy to like, and, and even the guy, dude, even the guy that played Carson legend, right? Yeah. Um, So I think it was a part of it too, man. And I don't know how they managed to do this, but you even liked the villains in. Yeah, totally. So like there was something, and eat, and there was never a part, there was never a character that didn't have at least that, some comic relief. Totally. You totally. Know, they, there, so there was funniness. Everything wasn't always so dead serious. There yeah. was always something. There was, there was a, you could always crack a smile at every character at some point in the series. Well, and in that, it was a lot like real life. You know exactly. what I mean? Where you're having a bad day or you're in conflict with somebody, but then something funny happens or somebody breaks the tension or whatever. Um, you know, it, it gave you different pitches. Like it gave you different tones. It, that's what, uh, that's a great word. The t- to, yeah, you, it was like a, it was like a multitude of like varying tones and colors is what it was. Totally, totally. Even though you had your favorites. I mean, obviously you didn't like Tom, but you had your favorite. That's what's yeah. so great about it. It was such like a, um, it it was such like a multicolored cast. Yeah, totally, totally. All right, so last question, man. Then we're gonna hop. We're gonna we're gonna cut this thing at a at a very tidy forty five minutes because I think that's our wheelhouse. You know, we do we do good work in that in that time slot. Um, and I know you don't like playing this game, dude, but I'm kind of fascinated by it. Oh, also, baby, I just had an idea. Yeah, throw we it. need to do a we need to do a whole happy 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 Abby podcast. In which we run down the roster of Downton Abbs characters and we just Enneagram type Rick, them. Oh, yeah. Enneagram type. Let's do it. We'll do it next yeah, time. Yeah. We'll do it next time. Now that, but we're, like, now that we're back on Happy Abs, man. We'll... Oh, dude. Happy Abs needs to be weekly. I don't know about you, but I've been thinking and praying about this a lot. We need to drop <laughs> these weekly. All right, dude. I mean, call it, I don't know, call it the quarantine talking, whatever. But uh, we need to go a lot more on the regs. Well, let's happy. just keep it in the greatest television program of all time alive. Well, absolutely, dude. It's yeah. appreciation. But like, which which Downton character are you? You know what I mean? As you look at the whole universe of Downton characters, yeah. who's 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 Ron? Who's Big R? Man, that's a great question, man. That's a really great question. Um, yeah. You know, gosh, man. I probably would have been... Um, I don't know. I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but yeah. I would have been... Uh, I would have been Mary's, uh, her, her second husband. I would have been that dude, the race car driver. Mr. Pamuk? Oh, no, the, 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 second, the second husband. The race car driver. Why, baby? I don't know. I, I just, because I, I wouldn't have been, you know, there, there was like a, there was something you couldn't really figure out about him. You could tell he was conflicted. He, um, you he know, wants he wants to be his own guy, but he also he wants to be his own guy, but he, but he knew he had to play the game when he had to play the game. He was very strategic yeah. in that way. Um, he had a super sold out to cars, but it didn't quite turn out the way he wanted it to turn out. Yeah. Um, and so there was kind of a sadness. There was a melancholy aspect to him. Dude, he and was kind of melancholy. He was. No, he was. There, there was so there was, I don't know. I really, I, he wasn't my favorite character, but I resonated with him in terms of yeah. like, if you're asking me, what guy would you have been on that? I probably would have been that guy. Yeah. That's fascinating. Half as handsome, but that guy. Well, yeah, dude, but that that's really that's a really interesting one because I feel like you you connected with that character on some kind of emotional level, you know. Um, 
dude, for me, I think it was, I think the, the one that I connected with on that level, there, there were tons that I loved. Like there's a little bit of Mr. Carson in me, like, Oh dude, dude, cranky and yeah. can be funny. Like, so there's a little bit of that, but the, like the one that I related to the most was Lord Grantham himself Yeah, in that yeah. he had just an inordinate number of people to keep happy. Mm-hmm. And he really sold the whole notion that like you, you got the feeling in some of those scenes He's sitting there in his library. He's trying to read his paper and sip a scotch like a gentleman. And people are just coming at him with stuff, dude. And there, there were times where you, you got the vibe from him where it, it, it was like, if one more person walks into here and asks for something, I'm going to take this letter opener and like stab <laughs> myself to death. You know, I'm literally going to gouge my eyes out if you people don't give me like five minutes. That's kind of how I feel. So I really I, I sympathized with him on that level. Like just so many, yeah. so many people to keep happy, so many plates spinning. You never really knew the real him. You know what I mean? And I think, I think if you're a people totally pleaser, totally yeah. If you're if you're in the people pleasing business like I am, like very few people know how I really am. And I think that was Lord Grantham in a nutshell, dude. He had he had all this stuff going on in his mind and in his heart that he just never let people see. He was a very conflicted man, but he also yeah. had, uh, he also had an intense loyalty to like the, the, you know, the craft, the way of life. Yeah, which was, craft, which was him taking care of Downton Abbey and making sure it was totally. flourishing. And, um, and, but he, man, he made a ton of mistakes. Yeah. And so, I mean, I totally resonated with him. You know what I mean? Because Dude, he, he really, yeah. Yeah, he really believed in the mission of Downton. He believed in the mission. Totally. And in a way, that was the only thing he believed in. You know what I mean? I don't think he trusted anybody. I don't think he... I don't think... Here's a fascinating one, dude. And I, I realized I said I was going to cut it at 45. I don't think he even trusted his own wife. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think he liked her at times, but there was a sense of disconnect between them that, again, was really authentic, dude. And really, very, really... Very authentic. English. Maybe very of that era. Too. Maybe of that era. Maybe it's English. Note to my wife, who I know is going to listen to this, that's not the part of Lord Grantham that I resonated with. I don't feel like there's a, I don't feel like there's a level of distrust K, between us. Yeah, yeah. Double K is not, not apply, apply to you, dude. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't know, man. Fat no, man. that makes a lot of sense. And and I and if I if I wouldn't have said that guy, which was more particular, I I probably would have said Lord Grantham because I yep. mean, there's. You know what? It's so weird for a guy that had that kind of, um, you know, who walked around with that kind of title, yeah. that kind of clout. He was he was very much an everyman in a lot dude, of ways. He was, and I think he just wanted to be an everyman. Yeah. There were a couple of scenes, dude, and I forget. Oh, they were playing cricket, mm-hmm. where he's out there with like his sleeves rolled up, and he's playing cricket, and he's kind of like busting chops. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of who he wants to be, you know. But he can't because mm-hmm. of all the all the responsibility and all the crap that he has to do. He can't really be, yeah, fun loving man of the people. And know? dude, it's just it's no different than a lot of us experience in our own like jobs yeah. or vocations where it's like, I mean, it's not like you're trying to be you know uh, you know it's not like you're trying to be inauthentic. It's just yeah. you, you have to put on a, a particular kind of face. You, do. you know there there is a. Uh, yeah, you know there there is kind of a uh, you know what I'm saying. So it's yeah, it's like a vocational demand almost. You know? It's a, de- a vocational demeanor, you know. Almost. Yes, it's like this yeah, is yeah. who. I mean, this is not this, this is part of who I am, but it's like if yeah. you were to see me in another context, I, it wouldn't be totally who I am. Totally. You know? totally. And yeah, and he was a he was kind of like there was a there was a at this at the same time as there was like a uh, like kind of a what you saw is what you got with him. He had kind of a chameleon like quality because I think he was a bit of a tortured soul. Yeah, I think he was too, dude. And it, yeah. yet, though, and this is what the English game lacked. It came out so subtly with him. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, it came out so subtly what his issues were. Um, and even, like, when he has that little dalliance with, like, the, I don't know, the lady that comes to work at the house mm. or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. and it's it's pretty subtle. And... It, you know, you can tell he's tortured, he's conflicted about it, but he's getting a certain kind of attention from her, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. There was nothing that subtle in the English game. The English game, you know, no disrespect to my students. So I teach this like 100 level screenwriting class, not 100 level, but it's like an intro to screen screenwriting class. And all the all the plot vehicles in the student scripts, for the most part, like they're really big. You know, it's like over the top. You, 
you know, they got in a car wreck and now she's got amnesia or, you know, the dad's abusive. And it, it's it's really these big, like, on the nose kind of plot points, which is kind of what you had in the English game, mm-hmm. you know, where mm-hmm. everything's really on the nose. But I, I think life is really subtle. You know, li- life tends to be kind of lived in the gray areas. And, yeah. you know, for us as believers, that's where most of the battles are fought, right? Yeah, um, for sure. And and I think I think that was what was so completely connectable about about down well the fact that we could connect with a show that showed like the upper you know english aristocracy of like the 20th century you know the early 20th century i mean that's phenomenal that we could feel that tied in and that close to something like that we have no we have no other connection with totally. i mean that's that says something about it it said it, it really shows like how you know how uh how julian is able to I mean, the humanity that he puts into his writing and his characters is like second to none. You know. Yeah, yeah. It was really a, it was it was a masterful because it makes no sense work. that we should like it. That we should exactly, dude. We're not the target demo. It makes no sense that we should. Absolutely. Well, baby, this has been uh, this has been enjoyable. It's been a pleasure. I'll enjoy doing this next week when we do another Happy Abbey. And every we, week we, afterwards, for the all rest kidding of our aside, lives. dude, we really do need the Enneagram we type. Do. We do. Yeah. Um, which well, tell I tell our listeners, tell our listeners we'll get on it. Baby, I hate myself for even saying that. That's like, I right. hate that I'm that guy. You know what I mean? But I am, and I can't fight it anymore, dude. I know. It's okay. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm just I'm leaning in. Yeah. I know. I appreciate that, man. We're having a moment. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you have that. It's a nice moment. <laughs> I'm going to let you have it. Well, baby, we've done what we always do on this program, and we've wandered to and fro throughout a piece of British culture and a British costume drama. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.